mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, A Journey Out of Death, Part 2. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 91, verses 1 and 2, and 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Here now, Pastor Moody. And so we sort of dealt with that this morning, that while Paul said in Ephesians, we were dead in sins, and uh, that we were uh, in the state of blindness that had happened to Israel in part. And then Paul said in 2 Corinthians that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of people that don't believe. So we find that death is, the spiritual death is a state of spiritual blindness. It's a state of being in darkness. In John chapter 3, Jesus said this is the condemnation of the world that men love darkness rather than light. Because if they would come to the light, their deeds would be reproved. They'd be found guilty. But people who love the Lord and walk in the light, they come to the light that their deeds might be manifest. Are you with me? There's a difference of death and life. There's a difference of darkness and light. And so I remember this, this past week I was studying this and God really began to deal with me about the fact that he had brought me out of so much. Brother Ken, he brought me out of death. Literally, I was dead. How many remembers when you were dead in the world and in sin and then Jesus came? And how many knows he brought you out? Are you with me? So he could bring you in. Glory, I want to say that again. He brought you out of death and darkness so he could bring you into life and light. Hallelujah. And so I, I really got excited this morning. It seemed like uh, Nick worked me over this morning. Every song he sung talked about going on to that city. And I knew that's where I was eventually trying to get. And I, By the time I got up to preach, I was, my shout was, was done turned on. And uh, I'm not making excuses, but I just... As I said, well, go, I lost control this morning. That's all right. Heaven knows it's all right to do that every now and then, just to lose control, not of the service, but of myself. Amen. I always want God to have control of the service. But I want to go just a little farther tonight, if I can. And uh, uh, I want to read this, Psalm 91, if you'd stand with me. And then I want to go back uh, uh, to 1 Samuel and read a little bit. And I won't read all that I read this morning. Maybe just uh, the first two verses of Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, amen, the security, the place of the Almighty. And then I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. In Him will I trust. That's my place of safety. And I want to read just a, a, a portion of 1 Samuel chapter 3. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, 
talking about Samuel. It said, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision or no revelation coming from God. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim. He began to slip back out into darkness, and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, and the Lord called unto Samuel, and he answered and said, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went to lay down. He went and he lay down. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And he said, I call not. My son, lie down again. Now Samuel, it says, did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. When I think about the journey out of death, I said so many things this morning about what David said about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's times after we're saved that we will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't encourage anybody to buy property or develop real estate there. I, commit, I recommend that you keep running through that valley as fast as you can go to get out of it. Realize that the enemy is coming trying to destroy you while you're there. There'll be times when you'll face temptations. I want to say this. If you had a problem with alcohol before you got saved, you probably don't need to hang out at the liquor store or the bar or with drinking people, can you say amen? If you had a problem with drugs before God set you free, you probably need to stay away from drug people especially until you get powerful enough and strong enough and anointed enough to deal with them. Can you say amen? I want to recommend that if you have trouble with lust or pornography, that you be careful where you go on the internet. You be careful what you watch on television. Somebody, you know, said, well, you shouldn't preach on things like that. But the Bible said not to set any evil thing before your eyes. I mean, it'll drag you back. If you're not careful, that's a shadow. That's darkness reaching out to you and trying to pull you down. But I want to talk just a little bit tonight about two or three things. And first of all, I want to deal with the idea of spiritual slumber. There's something about this place of darkness that the enemy tries to keep us in that we know is spiritual death or spiritual darkness, that blindness that where we couldn't see the truth or the light. In verse 5 of Psalm 91 he said, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow, the arrow that flies by day. But notice, he said the terror by night. There is a fear in darkness. There is, I know uh, a lot of times children are afraid of the dark. But I want to tell you, children of God ought to be afraid of spiritual darkness. We need to stay away from it. That's why the Bible said to cast off the unfruitful works of darkness. There's danger in the darkness. When you're in the darkness, you can't see what the enemy's doing. You can't see what he's, what he's plotting, what he's planning. I know that people in special forces, in the military, they have night vision goggles. 
And a lot of times they will attack. I remember seeing the footage of when they, uh, they what they showed of when they captured uh, Osama bin Laden. When they came into that compound, it was dark. They'd killed all the power. And yet the, the special forces, the SEALs, had, had the night vision and they could see clearly what was going on. And I want to tell you that there's a real danger of an enemy in the darkness that can see what you can't see. Will you say amen? And when I read this story about Samuel, you see something had happened to Israel. Eli, the, high, the priest, and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they, they had begun to sin. They had slipped back into darkness. The Bible said the lamp of God went out in the temple. Ere the lamp of God, God had commanded that lamp in the tabernacle should never go out. There should always be light illuminating the shoe bread, which is the word. There's always got to be light in the life of the believer. There's always got to be God's revelation coming forth, letting us know what God is doing, where he's trying to take us. But if you're not careful, the enemy wants to pull you back into a place of spiritual slumber and into darkness. I started reading this account and there's some things that stand out here. Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. Let me, let me uh, uh, translate what that means. He hadn't yet stepped into his anointing. He had not yet received the, the prophetic mantle that God would put upon him, that he would not just be a priest but a prophet. If you remember, as you remember your Bible history, it would be Samuel that would anoint Saul at the people's request and God's direction to be the first king of Israel. It would be Samuel that would tell Saul, God has rent the kingdom away from you and he's found himself a king after his own heart. It would be Samuel that would pour the oil over the head of King David. Can you say amen? And anoint him as a young boy and then later to become king over Judah and then over Israel. It was Samuel who would judge Israel, who would say, thus saith the Lord, and would govern them. That's what it means when it says he would judge them. But at this point, Samuel is a boy. He's not yet been awakened to what God, I feel the Lord, <laughs> hallelujah, was going to do in his life. Conversely, on the other hand, here's Eli. He's, he's had the anointing. He's been anointed. He, he's moved in the prophetic. I want to tell you, it was, it was Eli that prophesied to Hannah that Samuel would be born. Can I get a witness? Let's not be too hard on him. He was the man of God. But something, there's a transition taking place. One man is falling asleep spiritually. He's overlooking sin. He's not dealing with his own sons who are lying with women in the very gate of the temple. He's spiritually losing his vision. I want to tell you, any time that the church and its leadership begins to overlook sin, not deal with sin, it's because they're drifting away from real holiness. Can you say amen? Holiness is not a hairdo. Holiness is not a, 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 a dress length, ladies, or, or, a, or a certain way to dress. But holiness is the nature and the character of God being developed in the heart of a people because of godly leadership. Can you say amen? And so when Eli is falling asleep, darkness is creeping in over the nation. Do you see it? Ah, uh, the lamp of God is going out. It's, it's a treacherous time. It's a treacherous time in America right now. 
The, the, the lamp is going out for America. The, the influence of the church has so diminished. The, the, the respect for ministry in America is almost gone. Can I get a witness? If y'all help me, I'll preach a little bit tonight. God dealt with me about journeying out of death. I want to tell you, it's so easy for a people to forget where they came from and where God has brought them to. And the moment you do, somebody said, if, we're, if we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat it. And that's not Bible, but it certainly is true. Can you say amen? And I thought, here is a nation that's seen the favor of God. And suddenly, the leadership is growing. Their eyes are growing dim. Darkness is creeping back in. Can you say amen? Oh, and the lamp's going out. Behold, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's hope because there's a boy in the temple. There's a young blood. Can I say amen? There's a young minister. Hallelujah. Come up here, Robert, and stand up here by me. Hey, this is a good contrast. Y'all want to know what I looked like when I was young? Here's a pretty good picture right here. Hallelujah. And the, so all of a sudden we see an older man of God and he's losing his vision. He's losing his anointing. Can I tell you, he got fat. Amen. And the Bible says that he'd become great. When, when the Ark of the Covenant was captured and Eli fell backwards off his seat and died, the scripture said plainly, he was a big fat man. He, 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 had, he, had, he had become so consuming of the world and of the flesh. Amen. That he had lost touch with the things of God. But there's another young man standing in the temple. There's a boy. I'm about to shout. Hallelujah. He doesn't yet know the Lord. He hadn't experienced the touch, the anointing, the visions, the, what God would have to say. And he lays down to sleep in the temple as well as the old man that's laying down to sleep. But God's letting one, he's letting the lights go out. But he's about to awaken a young man in the spirit. Can you say amen? Whoa, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to shout. I might just shout again tonight. I want to tell you it's something when the Holy Ghost begins to awaken a generation. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So Samuel, Samuel, he's, he's lying in bed and, and God calls to him and says, Samuel, he gets up, he runs into the old prophet. He knows, he knows it's the, can I say it? He knows it's the voice of, of the spirit or of something spiritual. So he's thinking spiritual. I'm, I'm thinking my mentor. I'm thinking Eli. He runs in and says, you called me. I didn't call you, son. Go lay down. He lays down again. About the time he's about to slip off again, he hears that voice, Samuel. He runs back to Eli and said, listen, I heard you. You called me. And this time Eli says, you go lay down again. Amen. And you know what Eli begins to think? It's God. He's about to talk to, to, amen, about to talk to Samuel. Hallelujah. You know, I long for that. I long to see God speaking, amen, to younger men, to younger women, to teenagers, to children. Oh, come on, somebody. I long to see the day when whole generations of church people begin to wake up by the, by the awakening of the Holy Ghost and, and begin to hear what the Lord is saying to them generation and finally God Eli finally catches on he says now look I believe God's talking to you and when you lay down this time if you hear that voice again this time don't run to me but stand up and say yes Lord your servant hears oh are you hearing me 
So all of a sudden, Samuel is awakened by the Spirit. He's called out of that slumber. God's letting one generation pass, but another generation, he's waking them up. Amen. Thank you, Brother Robert. I, I really believe this today. I believe, you know, there's so many Pentecostals, and, and I can't deal with Baptists and Methodists and all them. Don't know nothing about them. I just talk about who we are. There are so many Pentecostals today who, who want to remember what was. And, and we should never forget our heritage. We should never forget our past. But can I tell you, the great ones, the Claude Ely's and all of those great men of the past, the, the Billy Sundays and, and the Wigglesworth and all of them. Can I tell you, when we think about them, we generally think about them in their heyday, in their prime or in their older years and when they left and left a legacy here. But can I shout it? There was a day when they were young in the Lord. There was a day when, amen, that many of them weren't even saved yet or, they, or when they first got saved and, and suddenly God began to call their name and he began to awaken them to the reality. You understand what I'm saying? There is a reality that God wants to wake the church up to. Can I tell you what it is? Do you know to know what that reality is? Here it is. God's saying it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need to get to the place where we're attentive to and open to the moving of the Holy Ghost. Give him praise if you would. So spiritual slumber, it's, it's a detriment to the church, hallelujah. It's a, let, me, let me go on with this. I, I started thinking about spiritual slumber. The Bible said it like this in Ephesians 5 and 11. It said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Listen to verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You know what God's saying? He's saying all that darkness is trying to creep in. You know what darkness is? Can I give you a good definition of darkness? It's just the absence of light. Are you with me? Like somebody could go back there right now and shut all these lights off and, and it would be relatively dark in here. It's still a little light outside. But the reality is the moment that you flip the switch and the light comes on, the darkness has to flee. Can I tell you, the Bible said, amen, Jesus came into the world. He was the light, amen, that lights every man. And it said the darkness comprehended it, which means couldn't overtake it. And the good news is these may be dark days, but the better news is God is turning the light on. God is waking up a church. God is waking up generations. Hallelujah. Oh, I believe it. Give him praise if you would. Listen to what he says. He said, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, the things that God judges. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Verse Ephesians 5, 14. Wherefore he says... Awake thou that sleepest. It's not a time to be asleep at the wheel, can you say, man? Now, I don't suspect that Nick was asleep at the wheel this afternoon. Something just happened. But how many of you have ever been in a, in a vehicle, especially when you start getting older, and you've been driving a long time, and all of a sudden you begin to slumber? A spirit of slumber gets on you. And you'll catch yourself, you know, maybe starting to drift off. And you'll catch yourself trying to stay awake. And, and he said, it's, it's imperative that you awake thou that sleepest. And arise, what's this? He says, awake thou that sleepest 
and arise from what? From the dead. And Christ shall give you light. The good news is that in this, it's this day of spiritual slumber, that there's a Jesus, there's a Father who's ready to waken you by the Holy Spirit and give you light, hallelujah, to drive out the darkness. Glory. When I started thinking about this death, it's, it'll kill you to go to sleep at the wheel, can you say amen? It'll, it, it, it has killed the church Amen. To, to slumber when they should be awake. I, I, I thought about like, like this. The next thing it says, amen, in Psalm 91, it, it also says that, uh, amen, air the lamp of God went out. Amen. In, in, uh, in 1 Samuel 3, I'm sorry, it says, air the lamp of God went out. There was no light. There was darkness in the temple. I want to tell you, the church is not a place of darkness. Hello. Don't get nervous. I'm not talking about now about turning the lights off, which I don't like anyway. But what I'm talking about is that some places, and sometimes if we're not careful, darkness will creep back in to the church. When I'm talking about darkness, I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about the things that tend to bondage. I'm talking about the things that will rob you of your victory, rob you of your, of your, of your praise. Rob you of your prayer life. Hello. How many knows it's 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 easy not to pray? Hello. How many how many's found the time when you had to make yourself pray? I mean, you you decide. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for an hour this morning, and uh, you get down and you really just fly into it, and you pray for what seems like a half hour. You look at your watch. You prayed for three minutes. And you keep trying to push in, and the next thing you know, the phone's ringing, or, 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 or you know, you'll get a leg cramp, or, or are you with me? I mean, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or if you stay at it long enough, you'll get sleepy. You'll catch yourself nodding off. And, and the, really, the reality is that, that darkness, it, it's ever encroaching upon the body of Christ. It's always trying to creep in. That's why, you know, Jesus told the story of the, of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. And uh, at midnight, the cry went out, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. You know what it said they did? They got up and they trimmed their lamps, which means they trimmed their wicks. They turned them up to make them burn brighter. But some of them had ran out of all. And the bridegroom came and five went out to meet him. And the others went somewhere to get some more oil. And by the time they got back, they'd done missed it. He was gone. Am I preaching to anybody tonight the church needs to stay fired up fueled up we do, there needs to be light in the house of God <laughs> Ephesians 5 and 11 I've, I read it in your hearing there a moment ago it said have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them darkness is the terrible thing in fact Jesus said this is the condemnation of the world that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light as I said because their deeds were evil and, and, and really darkness it has a way of, of deceiving you as to what's right and wrong somebody told me one time I was talking to a fellow he said, he said preacher everything's not so black and white in moral things. I said, really? 
He said, there's some gray areas. I said, no, sir, there's light and there's darkness. There's, there's death and there's life. Can you say amen? There's sin and there's righteousness. God's made the way plain, so plain that a wayfaring man or a fool would err in this. Let me understand what I'm saying. If any man's in Christ, any woman's in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. I'd like somebody to tell me what in the world is wrong with living right. Hallelujah. Reality is that Satan wants to drag you back. He wants to pull you back into the darkness, man. Years ago when I was just a young pastor, before I pastored here, I pastored a couple of other places and I was pastoring this church and we were having a move. The church was growing. People were getting saved. Exciting things were happening. And uh, a lady in the church came to me one, one day, a young lady. She said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. She said, listen. She said, I'm in trouble. I said, what do you mean you're in trouble? She said, I'm afraid I backslid. I said, you're afraid you backslid? I said, well, what's wrong? She said, well, it just seems like I can't shout anymore. I can't praise anymore. She said, it seems like when I go to pray, it's a struggle. She said, I just feel like I've lost it. She said, I'm just ready to give up and quit. I said, well, go ahead. She said, what? I said, just go on out and get drunk. Go out and have you an affair. Go rob a bank. I mean, if you're going to sin, go out with a bang. Can you say amen? She looked at me like some of you all look at me now. I said, what's wrong? She said, I can't do that. I said, why not? And then she got a hold of what I was doing. She said, because there's something in me that won't let me. And the Bible said, whatsoever is born of God doth not, cannot willfully sin because his seed, the word, remains in you. David said, I hid his word in my heart that I might not sin. He said, while I meditated and mused upon the word that was in me, my heart waxed hot within me. Can I shout he got a holy heartburn? He said, I started feeling the fire and the lights came on, praise God, because I began to remember what God had said. So this darkness, this slumber, I'm not afraid of the arrows that fly by night. How many can say that with me? I'm not afraid. I dare you, hold up your hand and say, devil, I ain't afraid. I'm, I've got on the armor of light. Hallelujah. I've got the shield of faith. I've got the breastplate of righteousness, the loin skirt with truth, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Got on the helmet of salvation, holding up the shield of the faith. And I've got the sword of the spirit. You mess with me, I'll cut your head off. Are you with me? Off of the dragon. Go ahead and give him praise. Now, I want to just kind of put it in reverse and back up in Psalms 91. I told you in verse 5, I said, I'll not be afraid of the terror by night. But in verse 3, he says, surely he shall deliver thee. How many believe that tonight? Look at somebody and say, surely. I love Psalm 23, it says, Surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me. Certainly, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But in Psalm 91 3, it says, Surely he shall deliver you from the traps or the snare of the fowler. You know what a fowler is? That was a guy that set traps or gins to catch birds. How I many knows you got to be pretty quick to catch a bird? Pretty sharp, can you say, man? And he said, The enemy knows how to catch you. 
He knows how to trap you. He, he's a master trapper, a, a, a master gin setter uh, uh, to catch the, the God's people. He, he's always out trying to destroy. I've seen people caught in his traps. I, I'll never, you know, uh, I, I'll never be able to understand this. But I know people that God saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, called into ministry, gave them success. And I watched them get snared. I watched them get caught in sin and different things. I watched them fall. I'll never forget one morning, one Saturday morning, Sister Moody and I were here in the parsonage and, and there was a knock at my back door. It was relatively early. I was sitting in the kitchen. I, I don't know if I remember who was eating breakfast yet or drinking coffee or something. I knocked to the door. A knock came to the door. I opened the door and I was surprised at who I saw standing there. It was a very prominent name in ministry. And he said, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, yes, sir, come on in. He said, no, 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 I'd rather go to the church. And I said, all right. So we came up to the church, and I let him in, and we walked in the foyer out there. And as soon as we got into the foyer, he almost bolted through that door, came to this altar, fell down on the altar, and began to weep uncontrollably. I'm talking about one of the bigger names in ministry across this country that I'm acquainted with. And I came to the altar, you know, confused. What in the world's going on? I'm, you know, this guy, he, this guy's awesome, I thought. And I got down beside of him, and after he wept a while, he raised up his head, he looked looked me in the eye. He said, I've failed God. I've failed my family. I've sinned and began to just blurt out to me what he had done. I'm here to tell you the devil will catch you. He'll snare you. You might think I can, I can handle him. I can deal with this. But the reality is the only way you'll escape the traps of the devil is for God to, to deliver you from that dark place. Can you say amen? From that dark place. Dear friend of mine, back when we first started preaching, he was a preacher. Got started preaching about the time I did. He was really a good singer, quite a musician. Could have been a professional singer. Had done a lot of professional singing, you know, on a small level. And he, God called him to preach, and he was down way off in another part of the country preaching one night. Said he got out of the service and driving down the road and he used to play them honky tonks and sing and drink that liquor and get drunk and before he got saved and he said I'm driving down the road and said all of a sudden I said there it was sitting right there on the side of the road he says one of them places tailor made for who I used to be can you say man he said there was a time I couldn't have went past it I'd have been in there and I'd have had that place rocking in a little while I'd have been I'd have had a, some music going I'd have been buying rounds and drinking said the party would have been on and he said I was driving by there and he maybe had a little tough night preaching that night and then said the devil spoke to him and said oh you could go in there you're away from home you're by yourself your wife's not even here nobody would ever know it what you've done you can go in there and, and drink some and, and just kind of unwind and, and you know you really want to and said the devil kept talking to him and he said seemed like the car wanted to turn that way but he said just as soon and as quick as that came he said the Holy Ghost raised up in me and I began to rebuke the devil and the spirit of God got on me and I went down the road shouting hallelujah I want to tell you he'll deliver you from the snares and he's still preaching by the way praise God and that's been many many years ago darkness it's real deliverance is awesome can you say amen how many experienced deliverance since you've been serving the Lord 
How many has experienced God coming and picking you up out of a pit somewhere? I love what David said. David said, this poor man cried. Have you ever been to the place? I'm talking about saved people now. I mean, to the place where you felt like, you know, just I'm so low. I'm at the bottom. I don't know if I can make it or not. I mean, the enemy's beat me down. Circumstances of people have beat me down. Paul said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned, left for dead, spent a day and a night in the deep, which means in the ocean. But he said, then one of the worst things that happened to him, he said, I was betrayed by a man that I thought was my brother. Over in 2 Timothy, he wrote, amen, to Timothy from prison not long before he died. And in chapter 4, he said, I want you to know that everybody's left me. I'm here by myself. When I went to trial, no man stood with me. Have you ever does anybody know what I'm talking about? He just totally forsaken. And he wrote to Timothy and said, bring my coat, I'm cold. Bring the scrolls, I need to, something to read. Do you hear the cry? Uh, he said, Demas has forsaken me. And, uh, and uh, Alexander the coppersmith has did me a lot of harm. And he's just going on about what people had did to him. But then at the end of it, he said, but I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course and henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness God will deliver you hallelujah David said this poor man cried and he heard me Uh, I've been so low that all you could do was cry I've been in such a, a, a fog of darkness before God, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? Which way do I turn now? Lord, what do you want from me? You know, don't let this get outside this room. But I'm 64 years old. I'm not as young as I used to be. There's some days I just don't feel good physically. Uh, You shouldn't claim it. I ain't claiming nothing. I'm just telling you it happens. And there's days I don't know if I've got the strength to do what I need to do or the foresight or the vision to keep going. And I find myself, you know what I've been praying lately? I, I may have mentioned this not just a week or two ago. I'm praying lately, God, I want you to show me what your plan is for my life for the next five years. What do you want me to do? What do you, where do you want this church to go over the next five years? You know what? We're doing it. We're done. I want, to, I want to say this. The pursuit ministry, the kids blast ministry, the Sunday school ministry, all the ministries that are coming out of this church, the ladies' ministries, the success we had, the men's ministry, all of these things. These things, we, just didn't, we didn't pull them out of thin air. These things are, are the, a vision that I've had for years. Are you with me? And, and prophecies that God gave us. And so we're starting to see the wheels turning. Oh, and I feel sorry for those who are still sitting back not wanting to be involved. Are you with me? I feel sorry for those who are not too excited about what's going on. I mean, when you stand up and say, we've started a ministry and seen 10 people saved in just a few weeks. And, and people look at you like, well, hurry up. Chicken's getting cold. Darkness is creeping in. 
Hallelujah. I told the Lord, and I told him that this week. I said, God, I want people to see we're coming out of death. We're on our way to a city, four square. We're going to the place where the Lamb is the light. Can you say amen? There's light along the way where we're going. Can you say amen? And, and, I, and I'm saying, God, I want you to show us. I want to see revival in my day one more time. I want to see a move of, can I get a witness? I want to see a move of God. Hallelujah. I want to be waist deep in casting out devils and laying on the hands of the sick and seeing them recover. I want to see it like it was in the day when we'd be preaching back in that blue building, that carpet store. And I, I was preaching preaching one night and while I was preaching the Holy Ghost fell just interrupted 12 people instantly got baptized in the Holy Ghost are you hearing God I want to see it again well everybody else is running around saying well it's not necessary for all of that I'm saying God if we don't get it we're going to die we need some light can you say amen back in the body of Christ he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome. You know what noisome mean? It means a disturbing, destructive pestilence. He'll deliver you from the thing that's destroying the world. Ah, oh, we sat in the house of God. Let me tell you something. Right now, while we're right here, we're 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 doing okay. But right now, there's some demon from hell, a bunch of them right up here in Richmond and around this county are plotting how they can get your kids on heroin. Are you with me? They're plotting. How can we snare somebody else? How can we get them church kids? How can we drag them into this, into this, uh, 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 this old spirit that's got in the world today? Amen. This tolerant spirit. How can we drag them into saying, you need to be a homosexual or you need to be a lesbian or, or you need to shack up before you're married and have sex before you get married? How can we drag them into to what Hollywood's trying to promote and what Washington's trying to promote? Come on, somebody. How, there's demons from hell that are all over the place encroaching in the noisome power pestilence of darkness but thank God there's a Jesus that'll deliver you he'll deliver you so there's got to be a light and there's got to be an invasion of light there's how many knows when light comes the darkness has to flee I'm going to tell you something you don't have any problems that God won't solve. I want to say that again. I, I feel like a little, uh, I feel a little R.W. Shambach anointing getting on me. You don't have any problems that God won't solve. You don't Somebody needs to hear that. I want to say it again. You don't have any problems that God won't solve. I didn't say can't solve. I said won't solve. He will solve them. Hallelujah. You know what Job said in Job 5, 19? He shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. If you know anything about Bible type typology, six is the number of man, but seven is the number of God. And he's saying my deliverance comes from heaven and it will not fail in anything. 
in anything. Hallelujah. Job 5 and 20 said, in famine, when everybody else is starving, he'll redeem you from death. He'll save you. Does anybody believe it tonight? Y'all looking at me funny. Does anybody believe God's going to save you? I dare you look at somebody and say, the devil ain't getting me. As a matter of fact, you ought to say this out loud. You ought to say, devil, you can't get to me. I'm covered by the blood. I'm walking in the light. I have fellowship with Jesus. His blood cleanses me. I ain't going back. I'm not stumbling, falling, getting down in the darkness. He's my deliverer. He's my Savior. He's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. His word is on in my heart. His praise is in my mouth. I'm not going to be defeated. I've got to, I can shout over what God's going to do. Most time we can't shout because we ain't seen him do it. The reality is you probably won't see him do it till you go ahead and shout. I just wonder, does anybody feel like shouting? Does anybody feel like shouting over victory that's on the way? Does anybody feel like shouting over deliverance that's coming? Woo! Does, hey, does anybody feel like shouting because you're blood covered and sealed by the Holy Ghost and you're healed and you're blessed and you're highly favored? Hallelujah. Uh, the other night, I, I videotaped Big Blue Madness. Some y'all, y'all know what Big Blue Madness is? Right in the middle of basketball, football season, basketball is getting ready to start. And 23,000 sold out Rupp Arena on the prospect that they might have a great basketball season. And I'm not condemning them. Go Big Blue. Is anybody with me? I know you are. (laughs) What are you saying, preacher? I'm going to tell you Jesus is a much better coach than John Calipari. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory. And the Holy Ghost can do more in five seconds than the best ball players in the world can do in the rest of their life. He'll deliver you. Say it with me. He'll deliver me. I can shout because he will. I can look death in the face. Let me go on. In the time of famine, he'll redeem you from death. And in war, he'll keep you from the power of the sword. Does anybody believe that none of Satan's weapons can harm you? You ought to wave your hand and say, well, glory. No weapon formed against me can prosper. You know why? Because he's my deliverer, my shield and my buckler. He is my rear guard and he's the one going before me. He's got me covered, surrounded. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. I've come out of death. I said, I've come out of death. I used to live back there. I mean, in 1978, Jesus came. 
there was a 911 call made from Baker Court in Richmond, Kentucky. And Jesus came and the Holy Ghost came and God revived me and brought me to life for the first time. Can you say amen? And I've been living ever since then. I'm going to close here just in a moment. You know, anything Satan plans, whatever he plans, whatever he does, and I'm going to tell you, He's a bad hombre. I mean, the Bible calls him a serpent, a dragon. Are you with me? A devil, a mad dog. The Bible has several names for the devil, and none of them are very flattering. Are you with me? And, and, and he, Jesus said, he comes not but for to kill steal and destroy and you're no match for him I want to say that I'm no match for him in myself but the good news is it's not me that he has to face it's my big brother and his name is Jesus can you say amen well brother Moody what do you do if he I mean he, he comes at you he tempts you he tries you. Has anybody been tried since you've been saved? I mean, has anybody felt that tug, that pull, that, that threat, that roar? The, you felt the wind off of the devil's arrows flying by you or the sword of the devil flinging at your face? And, and you felt you've you been hit a few times and, and you felt like you didn't know you was, was going to make it or not? Well, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 said, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Back up, paraphrase that. What that means is you ain't facing nothing that somebody else ain't already been through it with victory amen well nobody knows what I'm going through that's a lie right out of hell God knows the Holy Ghost knows the angels that are sent to watch over you know there have been people that have walked this way before you that have been through what you're going through and worse are you with me there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man but God is faithful Say it with me. God is faithful. Who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but with the temptation also will make a way to escape. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. He's going to give you a way out of the battle. Amen. That you may be able to bear it. Paul wrote to Timothy, as I said a while ago, and he said, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. He that abides under the shadow of the Almighty will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You know, here's the secret and it's not a secret because it's in the Bible. The secret is God is calling us out of death under his shadow and into the place that only he can be. We were sitting out by the, on the back sidewalk there outside the back door, the little porch area there this afternoon. 
bunch of us were sitting around and beautiful day outside, just wonderful weather. Big old puffy clouds in the sky and some little thin clouds. I was sitting there coming from my head back, just kind of looking up, and all of a sudden I saw something. I thought, man, what is that? And it was something way up in the air flying. Well, at first I thought, well, that's a, a plane that's way up yonder. But I kept looking, and it was doing this. And it was soaring. I said, that's a bird. I mean, that thing, it was, I don't know how high. I mean, I mean it looked to me like it was in the clouds. Tommy and them were there, and I said, Tommy, I said, there's a bird up there. I said, I don't know what to do. I, and it was big. I said, do buzzards fly that high? Tommy said, no, they don't go that high. And I said, I believe that's an eagle. And he said, well, there's some in this area. And, and my point is this. I watched him for a few moments, and he wasn't up there going. You know, like he was horrified he was going to fall. Have you just seen Christians like that every time something goes wrong? <laughs> They're flailing for their life. <laughs> I've seen some of you all look just like that. But I understand. Gail and I were a week or so ago we were watching Christian television and Dr. Tony Evans was on there. And he was talking about eagles. And he said eagles just kind of. They do that about three times. And every time they do, they're catching the updraft and they're going higher and higher. And he said they'll do that a few times and then you'll see them. They're soaring. And I watched that bird this afternoon, and I saw him up there. I don't know if his, I wish I could have got him closer so I could see him. Whatever it was, he was soaring. I mean, it was, and so far up, it had to be a big, big bird of some kind, maybe an eagle. I'm, I'm just going to say in Jesus' name, it was an eagle. But he wasn't up there flailing away like he was going to die any moment. He was carried on the wings of the spirit of the wind, can you say, man? And I want you to know something. You can't soar like an eagle if all you ever do is hang around with turkeys and buzzards and chickens. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. The Bible said as the eagle stirs up her nest. You know what she does when an eagle builds her nest? Come on, Nick. She... She builds it with thorns sticking straight up, sharp thorns. And she'll take fur where she's killed animals and, and pick her own feathers out, some of them the down. And she'll put straw down in her first and then fur and then that down. And she'll make a soft bed for her babies. And she'll lay her eggs and she'll hatch them. And when they hatch them, little ugly things, little baby eagles are ugly. Ain't nothing pretty about them. And she'll go out there and she'll fly around. Shh, and she'll kill a rabbit or something and she'll bring it back. And listen, eagles don't eat dead stuff. It's fresh meat. 
she'll feed them. She'll, she'll put it right in her mouth and feed them. She even, you know, just prepares it for them and she'll feed them little eaglets. And the next thing you know, they'll start getting feathers and they'll, they'll start feeling out and they'll get to looking like something. Can you say amen? And when the Bible says she stirs up her nest, you know what she does? She pulls out the soft stuff where there ain't nothing left but the thorns. And the first time they sit on the thorns, how many of those don't take them long to decide this ain't where I want to be? And the eagle builds her nest in high places. And she'll, they'll get up on the side of the nest and they sit there. And they're looking around. And I heard Perry Stone preach on this many years ago when he first started preaching. said he met an old Indian out west who watched eagles. And he said that those eagles would, that old mother eagle said she'd fly in and she'd get up on the side of the nest and when the time was right, said she'd walk up beside one of them little ones and she'd take her wing and she'd knock him off. And said he, you know. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me for? I'm preaching. They're floundering, falling. They're going to crash. They think it's over. They're screaming. And she's up there flying. And just before they hit the ground, she swoops under them and they land on her back. And she flies them back up to the side of the nest. And then she walks over to the next one. <laughs> I'm not going to flop my arms again. <laughs> and when he's falling, he's screaming, I'm going to die. Mama, help me. She swoops down. She catches him. Brings him up. Every one of them. Until finally one day, she knocks them off of there and they start flopping those wings. And suddenly they learn how to catch the wind. And when a young eagle flies the first time, he never goes back to the nest. Are you with me? And eagles, do you know they mate for life? And that they live to be, they, they, they claim, I don't know how they know it, but they live to be a hundred years old. And they have the same mate for life. And when I thought about this story, this message, there's no place better to be than where God wants you to be. And he'll shine light to get you there. And the enemy will come in and try to pull you away and drag you back down into the darkness. Can you say amen? But if you'll walk with God, you won't go back to death. Can I get a witness? I said you won't go back to death. How many's glad you've been called out of death? How many's on your way to that city? I'm walking in the light as he's in the light. I have fellowship with him. Amen. No matter what the devil tempts me with, he makes a way for me to get out of it. There's no excuse for backsliding. Huh? There's no excuse for sinning willfully. I'm going to serve the Lord. How many of you are going to serve the Lord? Wave at me. I'm going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight, would you? Hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, 
please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.